Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Open Championship is in Ireland for the first time in 68 years. Will Brooks Kepka continue his run of great performances in the majors? And his hometown favorite, Roy McIlroy, going to break through on a course that he played as a boy. And what is the latest on Tiger Woods, who hasn't played competitive golf since the U.S. Open? We've got all that to discuss and more with Bob Herrig, ESPN senior golf writer, who will join us in just a minute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you're like me, you know, the weather is hot, you're using your electric all the time, and your bill's probably, my mine was over $300, and really that's too much. So if you want to save 90 to 95% on your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, that's right, they're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom that's open weekdays so you can see their products. Now, May Electric Solar has been around 12 years, and they've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. And there's a lot of other solar companies imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they do not use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract for any other company in any other way. Everyone knows that it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. If you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. The Open returns to Ireland for the first time in 68 years. It's at Royal Portress Golf Club, and that's where we find ESPN.com's Bob Herrick joins us now. First of all, um, unique that it's it's in Ireland. Of course, it's been a long time. What is what is the country like? What is this? What is the feel like over there in Ireland right now? Well, they're excited about it because of what you mentioned—the fact that it's been so long. And uh, you know, it, it was uh, it's 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 sort of historic. I mean, it's only the second time the Open's been played outside of Great Britain. Um, they came to Northern Ireland in 1951 uh, and probably with every intention of returning. Um, but this part of the world had a lot of, a lot of issues for many, many years. And, uh, and, you know, not to make light of it, it was serious. And uh, no, but, yeah. uh, it, it would have made it hard for them to have an open here uh, yeah. in, in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s and and, and, and then this golf course had sort of fallen, uh, you know, in, you know it, it had fallen off a little bit. And they, they had to go through a lot to get it back. Uh, it was a big deal to return it. And, and it's kind of funny. I mean, it's a country of 1.7 million people. It's probably the size of Connecticut. And yet you have major champions, uh, Roy McIlroy, Graham McDowell, and Darren Clark, who are all are from Northern Ireland. Uh, in fact, uh, McDowell and Clark are from Portrush, and Rory's mm-hmm. about an hour away. So um, it's uh, their their rise several years ago in the game kind of got Portrush back on the map, and 
one thing led to another, and here we are. It's an incredible story, and uh, you mentioned that the Port Rush of the Golf Club. They've they've done a lot of redesigning and lengthening of that course, right? Yeah, I mean, in order to get it, really, they for for these tournaments to host such a big tournament these days, there's got to be a lot of room and a lot. There's a lot of infrastructure to deal with, and and you know, bluntly, they they want to make money, and and they're not going to make money if they can't get a bunch of people in. And so one of the things they did here was they they saw an opportunity to actually improve the golf course while giving themselves lots of space for hospitality and what they call a tented village for spectators. And they they took two holes from an adjacent course at Portrush called the Valley Course, uh, turned them into the new seventh and eighth holes on on the uh, championship course and then lopped off the 17th and 18th holes, which they kind of felt were weak. And so the 17th and 18th old holes are now where that tented village is. And what mm. was previously the 16th hole is now the 18th hole. So they basically went one, uh, one through six, then took two holes from the joining course, made those seven and eight and then picked up, where the old sixth was or the old seventh was and made that the ninth and finished through 16. And, and, and it sounds, sounds kind of funky, but it works like those old holes look like they've been here a hundred years, like the rest of the place. And, um, and they got the space they needed and they actually strengthened the ending of the course. And, uh, you know, they had to spend millions of pounds to, to make this happen, but, uh, they felt it was worth it. And now I think, you know, they have, a venue again that's probably going to host future opens uh uh you know down the road in reading about it there's a couple of i mean there's a number of holes that are interesting the par four fifth white rocks it's a dog leg with an elevated t it's near the ocean so you, the wind is obviously going to be a factor a lot of rough on that course and then you've got uh, what might be the toughest hole the seventh which is almost six that's what 5500 yards or so um, and that's going to challenge even some of the, some of the guys that hit the ball a long way, right? Yeah, I mean this this type of golf is a challenge, uh, no, no matter no matter what. Um, you know, it's just different than what they're used to playing. Links golf, um, you know, it's more on the ground than through the air. The the, the wind is such a factor; it, it has such an impact on play. Um, that rough is usually not fun. Bunkers here are penalizing in, in the U.S. Uh, and, and really at most golf around the world, you know, a pro likes being in a bunker. They, they have no problem hitting out of bunkers. They're, they're very, very proficient at it, but, but here they're pot bunkers. And, and oftentimes it's very hard to get it, to even get the ball out. Sometimes you have to play sideways and it, it's, it's a, it's a true penalty. And so, um, you know, the way you play the course is a lot more strategic. You might not have to carry over a, a lot of water. There's very little of it. But you have to be very, very careful about where you place the ball. And the ball rolls forever. Um, sort of the, uh, you know, the hallmark of Lynx courses is that they are firm and fast, even if it rains, because they dry so well. They drain so well. And uh, that makes the ball run forever. And, and it's hard to control it. It's hard to know. You know, these guys are so used to, um, okay, you know, if, if, if the shot calls for 150 yards, they know what club they use to hit it exactly 150 yards and it stops well here if the shot calls for 150 yards you might have to hit a club that you might normally hit from 180 
<laughs> because mm. the ball is going to going to land short and roll up. And it's um, there's an art to it. And and uh, some of these guys uh, really embrace it and others get frustrated by it. You know, uh, no major tournament uh, really when you talk about tournaments like this can be you know, mentioned without talking about Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's won for the past nine majors. Uh, he's been a runner-up a couple times. So uh, also in, in talking about Portrush, his caddy, Ricky Elliott, is from there. So I would imagine that can only help him. But what is what is Kepka like? I mean, I don't know much about him, you know, beyond what we read and, and personally. What is he like on the tour? Um, is, he, is he popular with other golfers? He seems to have this, uh, you know, this amazing confidence and sort of solitary, you know, uh, focus out there. Yeah, it's really pretty amazing, actually. You know, to win four majors in a, is a career for a lot of people. I mean, sure. Phil's won five, you <laughs> know, and he's a legendary player in the game, and Kepka's won four in the last two years. You know, mm-hmm. the oddity with him is that he hasn't built up this, this other, this resume outside of the majors, which, while, listen, nobody's going to complain about winning all those majors. I mean, I think it's a tribute to guys like Tiger and Phil that, they won a lot yeah. of majors, but they also won a lot of the other ones, you know, and that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, they, they, they went at it hard no matter what the event. So um, that's the sort of thing that's so odd about Kepka is like he doesn't really contend that much, but in the majors, he's right there every time. You know, he's 2-1-2 this year. Uh, you know, he very, very nearly tied Tiger at the Masters and, um, you know, gave it a pretty good run last month at the British, at the, excuse me, at the U.S. Open. So, um, but just, yeah, amazing confidence. He's very well liked. He's, he was a guy that people thought was going to be a good player, but I don't think anybody expected four majors in such a short amount of time. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And is he, is he popular with other players? I mean, what, what kind of guy is he in general when you've dealt with him? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he's been on, he was on the last two U.S. Ryder Cup teams, um, you know, he's pretty good buddies with Dustin Johnson, who's a very, you know, highly ranked player as well. Um, right. You know, everybody everybody really respects his game, respects how good he is. And uh, uh, it's, um, it's uh, you know, it's been an impressive run here of late. And, and uh, you know, he'll, uh, if, if, if and, and the other thing about him is he seems to take any kind of slights as motivation. You know, he, he right. really, like, uh, he really plays off of any sort of chip on his shoulder, uh, you know, to, you know, to, to motivate himself. And, uh, it's, it's so far it's working pretty well. You know, I didn't realize this cause he's having really a good year, but Roy McIlroy hasn't won a major in almost what was it been five years now. Um, he wasn't really in, in contention at, at Augusta or, or Beth page black didn't finish well at Pebble beach. So now, uh, you know, he's, he's over there. He's gotta be, uh, the local favorite to say nothing of uh, you know the crowd's going to be behind him, so this this tournament would mean a lot to him, right? Returning to uh, to his home country there. It you know really outside of Tiger winning a major these days, Rory would be the biggest story. Um, yeah, you know to to win here, uh, he shot the course record sixty one when he was sixteen years old. And um, that kind of got his name on the map a little bit. Like people started paying attention to this amateur kid from Northern Ireland. And, um, you know, it's a different course, obviously, different conditions. And, but still, I mean, he probably knows it as well as anybody who's in the field. 
Uh, he's from a town called Hollywood, which is only one L, uh, out right outside of Belfast. And, you know, for him to have played here as a kid, it was kind of like a dream. It was like a, you know, it was mm-hmm. a treat to get to play here. And, uh, and obviously as he came up in the game, he got to play here a lot, you know? Uh, uh, and, uh, so, so yeah, it's a big, big week for him. You wonder though, he's, it's just been such a talking point that yeah. you wonder if it overwhelms him. I think Roy's got pressure, not just because of that, but also for what you just mentioned, it's been almost five years, actually. Yeah. Almost five years since he won his fourth major. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he's won four, he's going to win eight or 10. And now it's been five years since he's won one, which kind of shows you how hard it is to do it. And you know, he'd kind of like to get another major here pretty soon. You know, he just turned 30, which uh, isn't old by any means, but, uh, you know, he had four at 25. And, uh, I remember, so, uh, you know, he'd like yeah. to keep going. I remember an interview with him when he said, I think he was 25 years old. He's already, he says, look, I'm already a Hall of Fame golfer. I have a ton of money. And he said, you know, at that time, quite frankly, motivation was the thing that was going to uh, to be the most difficult because he had already achieved so much so early in his career. I know he's motivated this week, but you're right. I mean, there's an awful lot of pressure and expectations when you're, you know, in your home country like that. And And, and the thing is, he's played really well this year. Exactly. He's won two tournaments. He won the players. He won the Canadian Open uh, the week before the U.S. Open. He's had a lot of high finishes. Um, I mean, and that to me is the main thing more than anything. He can know the course a hundred times better than everybody else, but if he doesn't have his game, um, yeah. good, good luck. You know, if you're, so, somebody's going to play well this week, or a handful of guys will, whether they know the course or not. And, um, you know, that's an edge he has if he's playing well. Uh, if he's if he's not, it doesn't it doesn't much matter. And I think it's good that he's that he's that his game is in shape. He doesn't want to come here trying to find it. Uh, he's um, you know he's he's had a pretty good run here the last few months, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him keep it going. Bob, you wrote a story about Tiger Woods. We'll get into what he's been doing since the U.S. Open, but I wanted to go back because I hadn't had a chance to talk to you since the Masters, which to me. In my lifetime, one of the most uh, surreal events to watch. Uh, I know you were there, but on TV and, 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 and everywhere. I never thought Tiger Woods would win another major. I mean, the, the injuries that he has had, you know, is well documented. Uh, him coming back a year ago and, and doing, you know, winning a tournament, just any tournament, um, seemed, seemed like quite an accomplishment. Um, but what was, that, what was that like? I mean, what was the Masters? Did you think that, uh, that, that his game would ever be in order? And if he was going to win another major, it seemed like it was probably going to be at Augusta, right? Yeah, I mean, I could have made the argument for this one just because um, sure. it requires um, a lot more strategy. I think the, the, the courses where strategy comes into play, and Augusta is one of them, is, is, a, is a bigger asset for him at this point than power like it used to be. Um, you know, a lot of guys have his power and beyond now. Uh, but when, when he can think his way around and not make mistakes and hit irons, which he's still best, one of the best in the world at that, that's going to give him a chance. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised that he won the Masters, but, I mean, I, you know, I just remember thinking going in that, even though he had this nice run last year, he really hadn't contended much this year. I mean, going into the Masters, his game was right. decent, but there was always a flaw every tournament. There was something that happened, and and um, uh, and he made a lot of mistakes during that Masters. You know, he, mm-hmm. he bogeyed the fifth hole every day. Uh, 
Um, he just uh, uh, he just seemed to you know have get in his own way a couple of times, and that's so much unlike him. Uh, but yet he he hung in there and he pounced when it was his chance, and you know it it'll go down as one of the you know most epic victories. Uh, I mean. Um, you know, who knows if he'll ever win another tournament again. He's not shown right. much since, you know, and uh, I think it took a lot out of him to win it, and I think he's he's probably a little bit more physically challenged than he lets on. Um, I think it's a struggle for him to play golf these days still. I mean, I think he has some, some really rough times with that back, and you're trying to beat guys who are 15 years younger than you who are practicing and playing all the time and you're having to nurse yourself through and recover and then build back up it's hard it's hard to do that and yet when he's all got it all together the skills are still there which is pretty amazing so he hasn't played uh, competitively at least since the u.s open in fact uh i guess he he spent uh some time going over the he told you going over to thailand right with his mom yeah, he um, and this was actually a, a vacation that I guess had been planned for a while. His mom's getting older; she wanted her grandkids to see her homeland, and so he left on the Sunday night of um, the U.S. Open from Pebble Beach and went straight to Thailand with his kids. And his mom was already there; met them there. He spent a little over two weeks there, um, and you know, we talked to him a little bit yesterday when he was out here practicing and. You know, he sounded like uh, that was a great life experience. He had been there before himself, but it was more about the kids. You know, his, his daughter is 12 and his son is 10, and and uh, they did a lot of sightseeing. And, 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 you know, during that time, Tiger did no playing, golf, no playing of golf. You know, I'm sure he got in the gym wherever he was staying. I don't think he was staying in any Motel 6s in, the, in Thailand. I'm sure he had access to, uh, to, uh, to fitness stuff which he wants to do but uh, no golf and and you know he says that's a good thing for him at this stage and um you know i think there's some truth to that but i think it's awfully hard to compete in majors when you know you're you will have gone the entire time without having played in a tournament it's just a little bit getting back into it when you come out here for a tournament and um uh, you know so tiger has to sort of overcome that this week Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, it's the old rest versus rust, but right now I guess the rest is more important than, than actually uh, practicing a can. He'd love to. We know that you know he was a guy that was obsessive about that, and, and um, um, but he just can't do it. So he flew overnight. Uh, he arrived there, I guess, on, on Sunday. Immediately he went and played a, a practice round. Uh, Bob, how did, he, how did he look if you had a chance to see him at all, and what did he say about the golf course? Well, he looked a lot better today. He's played another 18 holes today on, uh, mm-hmm. on Monday than he did on Sunday. And um, Sunday, I, I often wonder why he does that, actually. <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> he's got the ability to, to get here whenever he wants. He doesn't have to fly overnight. 
but he did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, with, within two hours of landing, he was at the golf course. He warmed up for 10 minutes and was out on the course. And so, right. you know, he's not going to be like in top form after eight hour flight. And, you sure. know, there's even he has a little bit of jet lag and, um, and, and, you know, didn't go through any kind of a real strong practice routine. It was more just to see the course. Uh, mm-hmm. but today looked a lot, today looked a lot better. And I mean, you know, when, when, you know, Tiger is never really skanking it around out there. I mean, you know, he hits some squirrely shots once in a while, but he hits a lot of really good ones too. And the main thing for him is you would think that he spent the spent last week doing the heavy lifting, which is working on his game, working on his swing, you know, getting that dialed in. And, and the, these days leading up to the tournament are more about learning the course and figuring right. out where to go. He had never been here before. He had never, you know, this is a new venue for most guys, but Tiger had never even played it like, you know, just as an aside, you know, maybe on a, on a way to a British Open or, you know, sometimes guys stop off in Ireland or Northern Ireland to play Lynx golf um, just to just to get a feel for it. But he had and he had done that back in the day many times, but not but never here. So, uh, you know, he, he had some catching up to do. And uh, but, uh, you know, I have a hard time kind of gauging how he's going to be. I just don't I'm not not having competed again is is a uh, that's a tough um you know, that's a tough ask. But uh, again, like you said, sometimes the, the time off is is more is more well suited for him than, than to be grinding out there practicing and, and wearing himself down. I, I would agree with you. Like he meant when he was talking to you, he talked about, you know, it, it, he can still make shots. We know that. But but for him. It, it is the cerebral part of the game that I think, you know, gives him the edge because he talked about knowing where to miss. You know, he's as much about staying out of big trouble as he is, you know, make, knowing when to go for a shot and when not to. That's right. I mean, you know, he's he's pretty good at the strategy thing. And, um, uh, and you know, and sometimes we've wondered to his detriment, um, you know, the way the game has evolved, it almost seems like you have to be a bit more aggressive. And mm-hmm. um, that is never, you know, for all his power and all the, you know, the great victories, he was never really an aggressive player. He was a smart player, you know, and mm-hmm. he let the others make their mistakes. Um, and, and he putted so beautifully that when he had his chances, he made them. You know, now... Putting is not as strong as it once was, and playing sort of that conservative style will often see him trailing by a lot. And uh, there's a fine line there, you know. Do I go out and be aggressive uh, and try to make something happen, or do I, you know, try to avoid the big mistakes and hang tough and see what happens? And, um, you know, he's, he usually elects for the latter, and then sometimes he finds himself um, you know, playing catch up, but, um, it's worked for him a lot. And, uh, um, you know, but given the fact that he's, he's played so little, you know, he's only played 10 competitive rounds since the masters. He missed the cut at, missed the cut at the PGA, only two rounds there, four rounds at the Memorial where he finished ninth and then four rounds at the, the U S open where he's tied for 21st. Um, you know, that's just not, you know, it's, it's not a lot of competitive golf, and especially when you consider the amount of time that's gone by. Uh, it's um, 
you know, it's 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 not the greatest recipe, but the the way the schedule has evolved and the and the way he is physically, I guess it's 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 the way it has to be. You've known him for so long, uh, ever since he's been on the tour, Bob, and we've seen him go through his personal struggles and everything else. It seems like he's in a different place, though, um, and and much, uh, I mean, much happier uh, just as a person, and and that joy sort of, sort of comes through more than it used to on the golf course when I watch him, anyway. Exactly, he is a, um, you know, he is a different guy. He's appreciating this. Um, he seems to enjoy it. He he seems to have the perspective of a guy who who knew it could have been over, um, probably should have been over. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that uh, that spinal fusion surgery he had two plus years ago now. You know that was a hail mary. That was a that was really not done for golf purposes. Right. If it right. could work out, great. But it was more done for for quality of life purposes. Mm-hmm. You know he was just not moving around very well and frustrated by his inability to just do everyday tasks. You know, so to come back from that and, you know, actually be competitive is one thing. To win two tournaments, he's ranked fifth in the world still. I mean, it's unbelievable. He was he had fallen all the way to 1,199 there at one point. And when he started out in January of 18, he was 656. You know, wow. and here he is, he's fifth. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's going to take, it would take, take some effort still. But, you know, th- there is the chance to get to number one. I mean, it, he, if he, even if he wins this week, he wouldn't get to number one in the world, which shows you how hard it is to get there. But the thought mm. that he's even this close is really pretty remarkable. And I think Tiger appreciates all that stuff more now. He doesn't take it for granted. He's kind of, you know, smelling the roses as they say as he walks along and you know recognizing um you know how how great it is to uh have this chance again and actually then you know to have cashed in and and to have been able to win a 15th major and 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 a fifth masters um you know it's uh it's a pretty good ending if that if that is the end and and yet he's not acknowledging that he he thinks he, he can do even more yeah, that would have been a nice walk-off moment, but even Michael Jordan couldn't do that with the three-pointer in a in a final. So, uh, so he's gonna he's gonna value this, and and it'll be a good experience for him and for everybody there over in Ireland for the first time in 68 years. Royal Portrush Golf Club and Bob Herrig. You can read him on ESPN.com. Bob, good friend. I uh, appreciate you uh, joining us today, and and good luck to you over there. Enjoy Ireland. Thanks a lot, Rick. Thanks for having me. Always great to catch up with Bob, my former colleague at the Tampa Bay Times, uh, now the longtime ESPN.com senior golf writer. Uh, the Rays wrap up their series with the Yankees, of course, uh, tonight. And, and really, as we take this podcast, we thought, we thought that maybe they have broken the script, but they went right back to it, unfortunately. The bullpen and uh, giving up another, another lead and, and, of course, uh, and then some uh, in the eighth inning the other night. It, it, I tell you, Steve, this has just become – such a script for the Rays when they play the Yankees with the with the lone, you know, outlier being, of course, the three home runs by uh, Travis Darno. But I I just keep wondering, like, you know, when are they going to pull the trigger or try to pull the trigger on a deal? I know it takes two to tango. I know that they don't want to give up too much in terms of prospects and things like that. But it's a shame that you know how many of these one run ball games when you need those three four outs to get that they just can't get, and it's been that way 
really since after the first month of the season. You know, uh, Diego Castillo's come back and, and done some nice things a couple night a couple nights ago, but they they just really don't have the experience. You know, it's it's really that's that's what's lacking. They got guys that got good stuff, but for the most part, they they've not been in those high leverage situations very often. And um, I was a little curious that you know the other night that Kevin Cash left Poche in to face uh, to face Judge, the right-handed batter. Yeah, although I don't know, you know, I guess what you go with. I you had Oliver Drake in the bullpen. You had Drake, I, you you had know, Drake you warming. Had, he had pitched the night before and got the save, got yeah, the last out. Right. I mean, that would have been your only option at that point, I guess. I probably would have gone to Drake because I didn't think Poche had really good stuff at that point. Um, right. You know, based on watching him, but. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what options he had. I mean, look, the Rays have a bunch of players in the bullpen that have good stuff. Yeah, and they don't have a lot of experience with it, but they have good right. stuff, and it's working against the White Sox and the Royals and, and teams right. like that. But when you start playing the Astros or the Red Sox or the Yankees, it's a different level, and, and I don't think a lot of their players are ready for that yet. You know, no. maybe an Alvarado is, although th- they've struggled some against those teams. Maybe Castillo, although you know you'd used him for two for inning and a two thirds the night before, so he wasn't five really outs. Available. He got yeah, he looked good then yeah. But but beyond that, I don't know if they have the guys that are ready for those situations. And it's not necessarily the stuff; it's a lot of it's the mental part of it too. Um, well, there's you, something when you play the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or you know name the name the top teams that have a stacked lineup that there are no weak spots in the lineup. You know, it's not like you can sit there and go, okay, well, we're at the seven, eight, nine hitters. We can go ahead and put name your pitcher in, Colin Poche, whatever. They don't have a their lineup is stacked. Yeah, and you make a good point about about the stuff. I mean, it's not the stuff; uh, it's the experience. And and to this point, you I mean think about a guy like Ryan Stanick, right? Who has been lights out as an as an opener, right? He comes out, he throws as hard as he can for two innings. Gets through most of them without giving up anything. Um, sometimes not even a hit, but certainly has just been great. And that's fine. You know, he's he's useful in that role. He gets them to the bulk guy, whoever that is, et cetera. But he has the kind of stuff, the kind of arm that should play well in the eighth or ninth inning. And yet, to your point, mentally, he's just not confident uh, when they put him in those situations. He's like a different pitcher. So, like, that's that's, you know, so it's not – it's not the arms. They've got the arms. They just don't have the experience and guys that have been in that situation where they can come through. And if you're in a pennant race, I mean, this game was there to be won, but, you know, like they did going into the All-Star break, sometimes you got to win those games 2-1. to one. You know, sometimes you got to win them 3-2. to two. And that's what they needed the other night, and they were four outs away from it. Um, but the lead, you know, the walk was the big thing, of course. And then, you know, how many times do you see – uh, you know, a hitter hit a ball just foul for a home run and then on the next pitch actually keep it fair um, and, and hit the bomb. And then, of course, you know, and ended up uh, later loading the bases and a grand slam put the game away, obviously. But it just, you know, I don't know when they're going to make these deals because, you know, had they won that game, they'd have been four back with two more to play. This series would have gotten real interesting. Now, they still, you know, have Charlie Morton. They still could win two more of these games and be you know be relatively in the AL East race but let's be honest man you look at the you look at the Yankees bullpen and the lineup that they face you know Edward Edward Encarnacion again um, you know has has just tormented the Rays throughout not just this series but ever since she's come over with the Yankees um, I, I think they're competing for a wild card and I think that the Rays know that and it's probably affected what they're willing to do at this point and 
it's just a shame because there's been, you know, too many games that they uh, that they needed three or four outs to get. And you can't blame Kevin Cash. He's playing with what he – I know a lot of people were like, well, he left, left Poche in there too long. Well, you know, the alternative wasn't great either, you know. And so he's doing the best he can under the circumstances, and he's just – he's outmanned. You know, it's as simple as that. You can really see it. And it's too bad because – the Rays will battle, they'll battle, they'll battle, they'll have the lead. They don't expand it. At one point, they were 3-1, to one, which is, you know, separation for them. Um, and then they give up another home run, and it's 3-2. to two. But sometimes you got to win those games 3-2. to two. You know, it, it becomes whatever it takes. So we'll see if they can, um, can finish this series on, on a positive note and then come home and, and have a good homestand. But that's been uh, – that was a sobering loss that they suffered on, on Tuesday night. And the other thing is this blow-up, and I think it kind of it kind of ignited the Yankees in a way because their offense was just sort of quiet. They were just kind of going through the motions a little bit. But that whole thing with Sabathia and, and the antics that he's pulled against the Rays this year, first of all, I think if there's one reason why pitchers should hit, that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he should be the guy because enough is enough, right? I mean – he, yell, he screams about a guy that hits a home run or he scream, you know, it, it, I'm just tired. I like CC Sabathia as a pitcher. I think he's going to be in, you know, in, in, he's a in hall the of baseball hall of fame. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. He's been terrific. And he's, he's generally a, a likable guy, I think throughout most of his career, but man, when he plays the Rays, he just has this edge to him that it doesn't make sense. Like no one's even talking to him and he starts chirping. Yeah, I don't get it. And I don't I don't know if it's truly he doesn't like the Rays or if it's if he's using it to motivate his team or to could be to ignite a fire and and it's all strategy on his part. I I don't know. Could be. But you know, it's it's one of those his stuff's good. He doesn't need to do that. No. We talk about the, you know, there's a lot of players, well, Brad Marchand for the for the uh, Bruins. He doesn't need to do the stuff he does. He's good enough. No, he doesn't. He's a tremendous yeah. player. Yeah. CC Sabathia is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah. You know, he doesn't now if he's doing it if it's strategic to get his team pumped up or fired up or whatever, then then maybe good on him in that regard, but you know, you just there's there's no there's no need for it. You know, I'd almost like to see, you know, when the when the Rays every you go back and watch these, you know, these features um during rain delays and whatever about the Rays and the 2008 season, you know, the thing that sort of sparked them a little bit happened i think it happened in spring training you know when they got into a brawl you don't want to see brawls necessarily i would like to see the Rays stand up to cc sabathia you know what i mean i'd like to i'd like for them to say this young group of guys say you know what that's enough you know maybe you have our number this year you know maybe maybe we're going to lose most of our games to the yankees but you know what we're not taking crap and it, it, it would almost be like a a rallying moment for them i think I don't know what you do. You know, you're going to go plunk the next guy that's up or something, and then you get the guys tossed out of the game and you get your own players hurt, which is never very smart. But there is something that it feels as if the Yankees, who have owned the race this year, are also sort of rubbing their noses in it a bit, you know? It might be in their heads. And, you know, if that, and that may be what CC Sabathia is actually doing, is trying to get in their heads right. and knowing they're a younger yeah. team and yeah. they don't have a lot of experience in that, that – and the allure of the Yankees and, you know, add it all up, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's very strategic on his part. Well, that was that, that was mentioned during the broadcast and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he's been around a long time. This is his last year. So I, I think that, uh, what, however it, it transpired, it certainly did fire them up and 
they came through in, in a big way uh, in the eighth inning and won that game. So the Rays will wrap up that series. Hey, tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to have Tom Jones, of course, the former Times columnist, my radio partner uh, from years past as well, now with the Pointer Institute. So always always good to have Rick and Tom together again. And then the Rays return home over the weekend. They'll have the White Sox. And remember, uh, I'm going to be glued to my television. I like the... I like the open championship. I like that it's uh, on early in the morning. You can watch the replays at night, um, but it's a different it's a different brand of golf, of course. And uh, you know, over there, um, the ball rolls a lot. The wind is up. Um, you know, you use a lot of irons and try to stay out of the grass. So um, it's always fun to watch uh, watch the open championship. And folks, remember, I know it's uh, summertime. You're probably paying these high electric bills like I am. Please consider changing to solar energy with May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. They're the best solar available. They don't use high voltage like other companies. And, you know, people are trying to use their good name. But there's only one May Electric Solar. And you can call them now at 727-819-2862. And if you call them right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727 819 2862. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 